I want to say that Satan is not the opposite of God. Okay. Satan and demons are not the opposite of God. Um, Satan is limited. Um, God is sovereign. Satan can only be in one place at one time. But God's eternal and omnipresent eye is everywhere at all times. He can see everything in your life, in your world, in your universe. It's all right there before his eye. In fact, the Bible says God is eternal. It's so beyond our comprehension. God can see all of time in one moment, past, present, and future. The end from the beginning is all before his eyes. In a moment, in his eternal nature, time is outside of him, and it comes out of him. But he is not bound by time. He is so omnipresent and omniscient. Satan is In one place at one time, it's unlikely that Satan's anywhere near you. Only his demons. Satan is created. He was a created angel who who fell from heaven because of pride and arrogance. He's created, but God is the one creator of all. Satan is a liar. And the father of lies. And there's no truth in him. And all the lies of the world flow from him. God is truth. Satan is a murderer and a destroyer. God is a savior. And the reason why I bring this up is because I want you to know that with spiritual war, it's not about if God's going to win one day. It's not like there's a battle between light and darkness, goodness and badness, evil and good, and we're all waiting to see what the outcome is going to be. It's not like the election that's coming up, amen? There's no polling data about predictions or what's going to happen, and will Satan defeat God? God gained victory over Satan The moment he kicked Satan out of heaven and the moment that Satan fell, Satan and evil and demons are defeated foes. Darkness has been defeated. God is the very essence of complete and total victory shown in the cross, in the death, and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, proving that God has disarmed all evil, all powers of darkness, once and for all, forever and ever. And what spiritual war is, is it's a distraction to us about the victory of God. What spiritual war is, is it's about fear in the place of faith in our own hearts. It's about us acting out what is not real, which is defeat. What is not real or ultimately victorious, which is sin and evil. But mostly spiritual warfare is about distracting you. Listen to me. Take this seriously. I'm not playing with you today. I'm not a chaplain today. I'm not a pretty pastor today. I am a preacher of the word of God. And I'm telling you right now that the distraction and the spiritual war... Is about your affection for God. 
It's about your ability to receive God, not as a theory in your head, but as a reality of your heart. It's about your experience, complete experience in your creator and your maker and the one who loves you and came into this world to save you. Satan is perfectly happy with you accepting a sleepy Christianity or an intellectual Christianity or a mind-oriented Christianity without heart. He's perfectly happy with you being theologically correct or even biblically correct or politically correct. He's happy with this. As long as you are not conscious of the deep reality that God is who he is, he does what he says he will do, and he is ultimately victorious. He is God and there is no other. And that's what this verse is talking about. Verse 16. The shield of faith. And that's the title of our message, is the shield of faith against the fiery arrows, against the flaming arrows of the evil one. Those flaming arrows represent fears in our life, and faith represents our deep belief in who God is, that he will do what he says he will do, that he is what he says he is, and that you are what he says you are. The shield of faith. First, let's talk about, and let's put this verse on backwards like a coat, all right? You put a coat on from the back and you bring it to the front. We're going to start at the back of verse 16. We're going to put it on and pull it over us. And so we're going to start at the back or at the bottom there in verse 16 when it says that we are called in this spiritual war to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. If you want to experience God as a reality, you're going to have to extinguish some arrows, some flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, we've all seen the movies. You all have seen. How many of you all seen Braveheart? Freedom. All right. All right. We paint our face blue. And what, what's those wicked British, we're going to pick a fight with the British today, right? And what do they do? Before their infantry comes in, they take these arrows and they dip them in tar and then they set them on fire and they go. And, and that's, that's what the picture is. It's a setup for the hand-to-hand battle. And those arrows kind of set up the stage so that the enemy can get close to us and get into hand-to-hand combat with us. And that's what Satan does. He sends flaming arrows at us, and not just one at a time, by the way. Oftentimes in our life, or my life, is defined by many arrows coming at me at the same time, causing me to be fearful and anxious and scared, see? It's that fear from all these arrows of life that are coming at us that are a great picture of spiritual warfare. And we shouldn't be surprised. If we were on TV in a Pentecostal church, I'd say, look at somebody and say, don't be surprised. Don't be, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. This is not a, a one-day occasion. This is not a bad day, beloved. This is every single day. Arrows are coming at you every single day, drawing out fear and anxiety, drawing out this temptation to believe that maybe God's not in control. 
this temptation to believe that this world is cosmically off track and, and it's going it's to, it, we don't know where it's gonna, what the outcome is going to be. This temptation to think that God is not God or if God is God, he's not very good at being God. These, all the circumstances, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith so that you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. See, that's what the arrows are. All circumstances. And your life is defined by... And you're, you're ducking and you're trying to figure out, where's it going to be? You're diving out of the way because life, that's what life is. That's what life is. What are these arrows? What are these arrows? They could be anything. What, if I could give you a microphone. Don't worry, visitors, I won't. <laughs> One time Sherry and I visited a church and... Chicago it was about this size little church, and we were visiting first time. Associate pastor brought a mic up to us. I said, I know you did not just bring a mic up to me. I will preach off in this place. I will tell you people to repent. You don't give a first-time visitor a microphone. What kind of idiots are they? Anyways, we didn't go back. I wonder how you would define the arrows that Satan's sending you this week. What are they? The things that are make you scared, the things that cause your courage to wilt and die, your faith to grow small, your temptation to say, is God really sovereign? Maybe it's a money issue. Oftentimes, for Sherry and I, I'm in the ministry, so you know money is an arrow. Flaming arrow. What if I don't have enough money for college? What if I don't have enough money for all those daggum weddings? What if I don't have enough money? Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. God clothes the birds of the air. He'll clothe you. That's easier to say than done, especially though Sherry and I, I joke around. We're provided for, but I know that some in our church are they're going through desperate straits. It's desperate. You're saying, you're saying to me, preacher, you're saying to me, pastor, that I shouldn't be anxious about money, and I got no money. I don't even know where the next meal is going to come from. You're trying to act like that that arrow's not serious? No, I know it's serious. That's why it's described here. The Bible's very honest. These arrows are real. They're on fire. They're not darts. They're arrows. And they steal our courage and our joy and our peace. They steal our marriage, these financial areas. They steal our intimacy and our relationships. They steal our perspective and our peace. They steal our ability to be able to relate to people on a normal level. Oh, but those of you who are rich, you're not. You don't escape this arrow either. In fact, I found as a pastor, sometimes rich people are more anxious about money than poor people because they got something to be anxious about. Worried they're going to lose it one day. What if that political party takes over and takes all my money? I worked hard for that. finances. Or what about health? That's an arrow. Sometimes Satan is allowed to send our way health issues, fear of doctors. Maybe you struggle with 
uh, hypochondria like I do. I look at WebMD all the time. I'm convinced I have all the diseases. <laughs> I've got the sugar disease. I've got, I've got all kinds of things I don't really have, but I do. Some of you have gotten bad news. It's uncertain what the health outcome is going to be. You wonder if God's in control, if life can go on, if, if there can ever be peace. You get depressed. You get uh, uh, laid out low. You're worried. You're anxious. It's an arrow. It steals your peace. It steals your faith. It steals your perspective about God. What about politics? I mean, let's talk about the real arrow right now. Let's talk about politics, shall we? And we all are fearful about outcomes, political outcomes. This is a major arrow of the evil one, a major one that steals our faith and our perspective. The political arrow coming at us of, of politics, whew, that's a big arrow. Ultimate things feel like they're going to be dependent upon elections and the outcomes of those elections. You say, what do you say? What do you say? I could say, I can hear what you're thinking because I've thought it before myself. <laughs> what do you say? You say it's not an important election. Yep. On a very limited scale, it's important. But in view of eternity, is it worth us being anxious and totally fearful about? Is it worth being unhappy about? The Bible says that God is on the throne. I've read Isaiah 40. You should read Isaiah 40 before you go into the election booth. Because in Isaiah 40, it says that God laughs and mocks the rulers of the world. God says through the prophet Isaiah, in comparison to his glory, the kings of all the earth are like a drop in the bucket in comparison to his rulership. We can say it's democracy, That brings about our leaders, but in fact, it is the sovereignty of God that determines the outcomes. I've read Romans 13, where it says to believers that we should submit to governing authorities. God appoints them, and that we should pay our taxes, which is unfortunate it says that, but it does. (laughs) I guess I'm going to have to pay my taxes. I get fired up about elections. Listen, I watch every debate. I put all four of my girls in front of the TV. I'm like, watch it. They're like, it's boring. I don't care. Watch it. You got to vote. But I don't, I'm not old enough. <laughs> if you want candy tonight, watch the debate. You will be informed in my household. <laughs> Daddy, you're being very mean. you know, in view of eternity, in view of everything, I should be informed, I should pay taxes, I should go and vote, you should go and vote too, but read Romans 13 and let that give you peace. Read Isaiah 40 and let that give you peace. Don't let politicians be flaming arrows from Satan. That takes your perspective away. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if he should tarry long after America is gone, the kingdom of God will be unstoppable. I haven't talked about family or children or all these other arrows. You could name your arrows. You, you, and what, I would identify them. I would identify what your arrows are. And I would give them to God and say, these arrows scare me out of my shoes. These arrows, these circumstances 
Some of you, you're going through incredible circumstances. Those, it's such white hot fire burning in your soul, keeping you up at night. I know I've been there. I know. And all of that is to build in me fear and to replace my faith. And so what we got to do is we got to take all those arrows and, 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 and we got to replace them with, with faith. And so we go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16. And we look and, and we're now moving from the bottom of the verse up the verse. And it says, in all circumstances, there's never a moment when this should not be your life. Take up the shield of faith. How can I extinguish all these firing arrows? I take up the shield of faith. There were two kinds of shields that were used. You guys have seen this in the movies too, right? There was two kinds of shields that were used for, for battle back in those days. There was like a small one. It was like a small circle shield, right? It was a specialized shield. And if you've seen Gladiator, that dude, Russell Crowe, was busting out the small, the small one, right? Because what it was used for, now watch me carefully, all right? I can't believe I've got enough energy for this at first service, but... And what you do with the small shield is you block and then you hit, block and then you hit, and then block and then you hit, just like that. Okay, But there was another shield that wasn't a small shield. In fact, the other shield is four feet tall, two feet wide, right? And if you crouch like this, it's body length. And what it was made for is, and this is more like 300, like the Spartans, like, I am Sparta, turtle, right? And they all come together, and they, they form this big old turtle with these big, tall shields, right? Big, long ones. And then they would slowly move towards their enemy. And boom, man, those fiery dark, boom, just be bouncing off those suckers. The shield being talked about here is the big shield. When he says shield of faith, he's imagining those big ones. By the way, faith is a community project. And those big shields were meant to be used with other people. We come together and we're turtle. And what's ultimately so awesome about the shield of faith is that the Bible has always said from Genesis to Revelation, it has always described God as a shield. Let me give you a great example. It's my favorite example. Love this example. In Genesis chapter 15... In circumstances very much like the circumstances I just described to you from the arrows, Abraham is full of fear. Look at this in Genesis 15, verse 1. It says, after these things, everybody say things. Arrows. And, and, and if you read about Abraham in Genesis 12, 13, and 14, the things he was going through sucked. I said it. They were horrible things. He had to go to battle to go save Lot, his idiot cousin. He had to go fight. He's getting really old and decrepit by the time we get to Genesis 15. 
He's tired. He's depressed. His life hasn't gone like he thought. He had a vision of his life. And it didn't come together. And God had made some promises that have yet been fulfilled in his life. So those things that Abraham that's talked about right there are arrows, fiery arrows. He's under attack. He's, he's battled, hardened after these things. How many of y'all been sitting around the house and uh, your loved one says to you, why aren't you talking? And you're like, I got things on my mind. Why don't you say that you love me? I got things on my mind. What's wrong with you? Things. What's wrong with you? Flaming arrows, woman. Do you not understand? (laughs) After these things, the word of the Lord, and this is what we have to have. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. The reason why in Ephesians uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 16, faith is described as a shield is because not that faith in your faith is a shield, but the object of your faith is the shield. God is the shield. Psalm 46 says, God is a very present help in times of trouble. Uh, Psalm 84, David says, God, God, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, trust in the Lord. God is your reward. He is your shield. Faith is a shield because of its object. And you know, my grandmother used to say, it's not about the size of your faith. It's not about how much faith you have or great faith in God. It's about faith in a great God. And the question before all of us, every time we go, and I'm not, I'm not making light of those arrows that you're going through right now. I'm really not. I know they're tough. And they're firing and they're on fire. And I'm not making light of your circumstances at all. But the question you have to ask yourself right now, right now, right now, is you've got to ask yourself, is your God a small shield that can barely get you through? Or is your God a body-length door shield? That you can get behind and he will absorb your pain, your fires, the testing of the fires in your life. Is your God big or is your God small? Is your God domesticated kitty cat on my lap? I'm going to pet it. It's a really cute God. Or is your God a lion? This is the issue of our heart. This is the issue and the point of spiritual warfare because Satan knows he can't ultimately win, but he can distract you from the greatness of the victor, which is God. God is our shield. And our faith chooses as its object God. And we're not concerned about the size of our faith. We're concerned about studying the largeness of our God. What do I think of when I think of the largeness of God? I think about his character. Think about his character. Think about the character of God. Reflect on the character of God when you're going through circumstances that are on fire. Think about the character of God. What is the character of God? The character of God is he's holy. He is uncommon. He is set apart. Character of God. The character of God is that he's sovereign. God is in control. He knows the end from the beginning. There's no detail, no moment, no hair that he's not counted on your head. I'm running out of them for him to count, but they're still there. 
There's, there's no atom or electron or neutron that's not outside of his authority and his control. If something happens that's bad or full of sin, he's not the author of sin, but he had allowed it. He allows sin sometimes. And if there's righteousness in the world, it's because he willed it. God is sovereign and in control. And that's so important because, see, your fiery arrows are trying to tell you that God's not in control. The fiery arrows are trying to tell you God might be good, but he's not in control. He is character of God. He's holy and sovereign and good. God is good. Good to those who love him. Good to those who surrender to him. Good to those who call on his honor. God is good. God's even good to the unrighteous. It says that God sends rain for the righteous and the unrighteous. God gives common grace to everybody. God allows the wicked to still have talents and still to taste and see a little bit of love in this life and in this world. And if they don't repent, it's true. They will go into eternal condemnation. They will go to hell. It's true. If they don't hear the gospel of Jesus, they will be forever lost and separated from God. But God still gives them a moment of goodness and talent. God is good. All the time he's good character of God or think about the protection of God the Bible says that greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world the Bible says that in the name of Jesus we have authority over all demons over all the satanic schemes that come up against us that in the name of Jesus when we are available to him he will give us victory Jesus said, or John said in 1 John, that our faith in Jesus is what overcomes the world, and God gives us protection. Sometime this week, read Psalm 91, one of the greatest psalms on spiritual warfare you will ever read. God is a mighty fortress, a dwelling place. God's protection is always there, and the question is, are you behind his protection? Are you using him as a shield, or are you trying to do it on your own? What about not only the character and the protection, but what about the promises of God? Everybody say promises. God has given promises for every arrow that you're going through. Let's say you listed three flaming arrows that are causing fear in your life today. Do you know that the word of God has something to say? God has made a promise in his word about that arrow. And your issue is not to stand on the lie of the arrow that God's in control, but to stand on the promises of God concerning that arrow in your life. Is it finances? Is it money? Matthew chapter 6 gives us all kinds of promises. And sometimes they're difficult in our life to walk in these promises. But God keeps his promises. God has never, ever not kept a promise. Unlike people in this world, unlike the politicians, unlike all of that, God keeps promises. Listen to Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And that's a promise. You could go to promises about, about uh, peace. When you're anxious, you're full of anxious. Some of you, you're very anxious people. You're very uptight. You wound up like a golf ball. My dog used to eat those golf balls when I was growing up. I had a dog named Napoleon. He was a Weimariner. Y'all know those dogs? Beautiful dog. 
He used to grab my golf balls, start chewing on them. He'd chew on them for weeks. And by the time he got to the end of it, the cover would come off, and you know, it had that wound tight. That thing started jumping around in the house after because the string was so wound up tight in there, and he'd get all the way through there and untie it, and he'd just start bouncing around in the house, that golf ball. Some of you are bound up like that golf ball. Glad Winston won't get a hold of you. But listen, listen to this. Philippians 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a promise. As we give our anxiety to him and, and, and we seek out Christ in prayer, the promise is, is that as we go to him, he will give us a peace that passes all understanding. Some of you, all of us probably on some level, politics is an issue in the political election. So let me read to you the promise, Romans chapter 13, which I referred to earlier. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Here's the bad news for because of this, you also pay taxes. Dang it! But I got to stand on those promises. I could give you so many more. You know, the Bible is there for you to go and find the promise that relates to your... And that's what faith is. Faith is believing in who God is. He is who he says he is. And faith is believing that he will do what he will do. And the way you replace fear with faith is you go to the word, you go to the character, you go to the promises, you go to the protection of God Almighty, and you relentlessly pursue him and relentlessly surrender to him and say, I will not give in to fear. I will stand with the shield of faith. You say, okay, let's say, let's say you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, you're not into the whole Bible thing, you're investigating, you're here, you're like, Bibles, God, fire, okay, that's good. But how do I know? How can I know that God will keep his promises? How can I know that God is good? How can I, how can I be certain and assured that God is good? And the thing I would point to you is I would point you to the cross, and here's what I want you to know about the shield. This is the coolest thing. I did some research, some very difficult research, because I'm working for you. Okay? And what I found out after my deep research on Wikipedia or something, <laughs> I found out that the way that they made these shields for those Roman soldiers is with two pieces of wood brought together and glued together. And then they would cover the wood. Now watch this. They would cover the wood in skin. And they would dip it in water. And as people got behind those two pieces of wood covered in skin and dipped in water, as they went forward, that skin would catch the, 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 the arrow, the flaming arrow. The wetness would put the water out and you could continue to move forward. Now, the way that I, as a follower of Jesus, know that God keeps his promises and that even in the deepest, darkest night, when I don't know what my options are, nothing is left, everything is undone, everything seems like it's impossible, I, in those nights, I know that God will still get me through by faith because I know 
that God created the ultimate shield also made of two pieces of wood and covered in the skin of his only begotten son. A sacrifice was made, that skin was put on two pieces of wood, and he absorbed for me the fires of hell. He absorbed for me the penalty of sin. He absorbed for me in my place as an exchange and a substitute and made atonement for my sin. Now that's not just about 2,000 years ago and I believe in that and I'm made right with God. That's also about a platform that I walk every single day on or I stand behind that cross every single day. And I say to myself along with Romans 8, if God has given me his only begotten son, how will he not give me all things? If God died for me in my place, how will he not also get me through all these circumstances? If God loved me unconditionally when I was unlovely, when I was a spiritual whore against him and cheated on God, and yet he still remarried me and loves me, then how Am I going to let these things take away my affection for this God? How am I going to let all of these arrows steal my faith and give me fear and anxiety? I will not do it. I can claim that gospel and that cross every time, and I can pick up my shield of faith and say, not only is God powerful and sovereign, not only is God protective, not only is God promising, but God is for me, not against me in all circumstances. Now, God never says to you or I, listen, he never says that he's going to take away the circumstances. Notice he doesn't say that faith is a, a 747. If you believe in me, I'll fly you out of here forever and ever, and you'll never have pain anymore. He never said to Abram, he, ne- he didn't say to Abraham, hey, Abram, you're never going to have any more things to think about at night. You're never going to have things on your mind ever again. He never says he's going to take the pain and the circumstances of regular daily life away from us. But what he says is, I will be with you. I am Emmanuel. I will give you peace. Just listen and don't be distracted. And don't ever, ever be afraid. 